0: I'm Rev. Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for September 20th, 2013, and today we are talking about why do Shinshu.
1: So, in our last episode, we talked about, you know, how you can do Shin practice, um, and in preparation for this episode, Harry and I were talking, and I said, well, I think we should address the question of motivations, like why would somebody want to engage in not just Shin practice, but Buddhist practice in general. And it got me thinking about... Um, uh, a conference I was at at the beginning of the summer for the International Association of Shin Buddhist Studies um, during which uh, the dean of the Institute of Buddhist Studies Richard Payne gave a paper about um, uh, well he's, he's, he's talked about this issue um, to me anyway I, I, I'm sorry to say I don't know if he's published anything on it yet but uh, the question of how Buddhism particularly in America seems to be really focused on um, making people happy um, and happiness seems to be like a big thing That people want And he relates this to what he calls uh, what He, he sees a, a clear parallel Between this kind of Buddhism um, And what might be called the self-help industry um, At the conference up in Vancouver He, he used the phrase The um, religio-therapeutic model of uh, practice um, And it was a really interesting paper um, I don't know if I could do justice To his entire argument But part of it had to do with this idea Of how um, from the religio-therapeutic point of view, um, the reason you engage in religious practice is as a sort of self, um, self-improvement project, right? Like you engage in this practice, um, you know, you might have some sort of spiritual or religious ideas in your mind, but essentially what you want to do is make yourself happy and make yourself a better person and improve the self. And so his... His, his, his point of view here is, is, is basically that that is a very inward-focused, self-focused, self-referential kind of uh, practice, which um, uh, for, for those of you who know Dean Payne know that... Um, he would consider this to be um, not exactly what the Buddha intended, mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it lightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this idea that, that Buddhism isn't engaged in a sort of self, uh, promote, uh, self-help kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And this is not a particularly new idea. I think other folks have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result of him making this, 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 this sort of uh, observation that uh, Buddhism in America tends to be focused on making a better self... This started a conversation after his paper about um, uh, you know a lot of people who are in the room of course are Shin Buddhists um, uh, certainly I think most were or scholars of Shin Buddhism or scholars of Pure Land Buddhism. Um, and many people are worried that Shin Buddhism is not particularly popular in America. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor James Dobbins was also in the room, and he said that um, Shin Buddhists in America tend to have Zen envy. <laughs> <laughs> which, which we Zen-bee. also zen <laughs> Zenvy, that's even better. <laughs> we, all, we all really liked this phrase because I think it's true, right? Like, we look... Out at American Buddhism, we say, "Oh, you know, Zen Buddhism is really popular, or mindfulness meditation has become very popular, or Tibetan Buddhism is really popular." But Shin Buddhism is kind of, you know, we're kind of, you know, not not really visible. You know, people don't really know what we're up to or what we're doing. Um, and so I can totally see this like Zen envy. Like, we're how do we how do we become popular? Uh, Dr. Payne's response, of course, is that if um, if your Reason for engaging in Buddhist practice is to make yourself a better person, and that's the kind of popularity that you want. Then Shin Buddhism is never going to get that. Um, and I'm grossly paraphrasing this conversation. Um, anybody who was there in the room, if I got anything wrong, please feel free to uh, <laughs> to correct me. Um, but the the idea here is that um, what Shin Buddhism is is, is uh, and what other forms of Buddhism are more focused on is our relationship to Um, other people and to the cosmos and and whatever else and this outward focus is the antithesis of the sort of self-help model Mm. Um, and so it's like we're trying to become popular in a conversation that doesn't actually make sense for what it is that we do I Mm. think was the sort of gist of it which Mm. is an interesting perspective Mm. it's an interesting perspective yeah
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I could also go down the road of uh, consumerism and Mm. capitalism and how the self-help industry buys into all of that and how Shin Buddhism could be an antithesis uh, an antidote to all of that mm-hmm.
0: anyway uh, thoughts mm-hmm. interesting <laughs> yeah my first reaction is that um, he's wrong no <laughs> well that Buddhism does is a lot about the self mm-hmm. or lack thereof which is what we talked um, about last
1: week I mean right.
0: the last episode I mean, and um, critical self-reflection yep and also self-improvement Right. That, um, uh, and I'm thinking. I'm not talking Jodo Shinshu here. I'm just talking kind of Buddhism in general, mm-hmm. of wanting to become Buddha.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that you should that become Buddha. But is that self-improvement?
0: Absolutely. It's getting rid of the negative parts. It's. It's. Um, I mean, the easiest way is um, do good, refrain from evil. Mm-hmm. Right. That we sh- you shouldn't indulge in the three poisons. But is that self-improvement or self-deconstruction? Um
1: i, I not, this is a rhetorical question. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's the gist of the argument, right? Is that from a religio therapeutic point of view, mm-hmm. self improvement reaffirms the existence of the self, whereas mm-hmm. from a particular Buddhist point of view, not all Buddhism, but from a particular point of view, uh, the self is deconstructed.
0: Yeah, and what but I don't emerges think, out of
1: that might still be a self, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's a complete and total radical self transformation, mm-hmm. not necessarily a self improvement in a progressive sort of
0: model. Arguably, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, not, I don't I'm think we have to go that, that far. I'm just right. saying. <laughs> right, 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 right. I don't think we have to go that far. I mean, I think that... Um, uh, I mean, Donna is interesting, the um, selfless giving.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: But it's improving yourself so much that you're selfless. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's radical yeah. self-improvement. Maybe, I mean, I think maybe that would be one way to look at it. Okay. Okay. It's saying um, that we recognize... I mean, that's one of the neat things about Buddhism, is it's not all the good stuff. It's a lot of the bad stuff, too. (laughs) It points out a lot of the negative things that beings do, right? And the the three poisons, the 108 bono or kleshas, you know, all the stuff that we do that keeps us from true reality, that keeps us ignorant or attached or angry, right? And that part of Buddhism, I think, is... Traditionally is to not do that stuff, to improve yourself so that you aren't doing negative activity that harms others and that uh, keeps you mired in samsara. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not self-improvement in the sense of psychotherapy, mm-hmm. um, And yet I think that there is a kind of, you know, I see in Buddhism a, a strong stream of that of, of, yeah, we are trying to better ourselves, become superhuman, right? Um, become a monk. Leave the home life, right, dedicate yourself to spiritual practice, intensive spiritual practice. I mean, I think that that is a huge chunk of Buddhism in history um so that's where that's my initial reaction to dr. payne mm-hmm. um, but then yeah it, it's it's more than just that <laughs> right and part of that self improvement is uh in relation to others right and uh, that, that self-improvement isn't a purely internal, purely uh, psychological thing, right? That it is yeah. um, actually something that happens in community. It happens socially, mm-hmm. right? And that um, a lot of Buddhist practice isn't... It, Buddhist practice is more than just meditation, right? Buddhist practice includes dhana, selfless giving, or trying to do selfless giving, right? It includes uh, making offerings. It includes... The ethical um, component. Yeah, all these ethi- yeah, the ethical... Uh, and so so um, that 's one way where I think what he's saying uh, kind of makes sense
1: yeah, and i would also I would add to this that I think that and i, I don 't know if he would i don 't know if this is where he was going with this or not, but it seems to me that uh, the self improvement model this whole self help industry that we have right now is really uh, there 's no end game i mean it's it 's sort of you know you if you look at the self help industry you know it 's all about making yourself better. But there's always something wrong with you, mm. right? Um, no matter what you do, if you buy into the self-help industry, there's always going to be something else that's wrong with you, right? Whether it's your... they've got to keep selling books. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing, right? Like, it's, if, it's, it's in the industry's uh, self-interest to never actually make people better. Because if people get better, then they don't need the self-help industry anymore, Right. So, I mean, that's the, that's the main criticism of the sort of consumer aspect of the self-help industry is that if you actually become better, if you actually became a Buddha, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't need it anymore, mm-hmm. right? I think that's another main difference in that part of a self-help problem is that you're sort of constantly stuck in this wheel of mm-hmm. trying to make yourself better, right? And you never really look outside yourself. And I think one of the dangers of, you know, like the mindfulness movement being secularized or... Um, meditation sort of happening outside of a buddhist context or um not necessarily i'm sorry a buddhist context but, a, but an ethical or a moral context is that you lose that you lose that you know oh i'm doing this for a reason <laughs> you know you, you become sort of obsessed with just doing it and trying to make yourself better and being inwardly focused and never look outside to your relationships with others um and i don't know it's an interesting question it's an yeah. interesting question yeah. Um, so, I feel like it's, it's relevant here in the sense of, you know, well, why does somebody want to do Buddhist practice, right? Mm. Why do you want to engage in this practice? Like, do you want to engage in, and not just Shin practice, but practice in general, but, you know, Buddhism in general? You know, do you want to do Buddhist practice um, to become a Buddha? You know, or do you want to do Buddhist practice um,
0: as a sort of self help exercise? and Or do you do it because your parents did it and your grandparents did it right. and you feel obligated to do it <laughs> um, I mean you know, anyone yeah. can ask this right. question yeah, yeah, yeah
1: exactly it's not just for people who are coming to Buddhism and there's no the right time. answer either exactly yeah, exactly what I was going to say like I, you know I made this distinction between becoming a Buddha and just self-help and I don't want to suggest that self-help is a bad thing you know uh, as you were saying before you know Uh, of course we want to become better people. Of course this is part of Buddhist practice, is to become, you know, to get rid of the kleshas, is to, you know, be a more generous, compassionate human being. There's nothing wrong with that. And if that happens as a result of, you know, following Oprah Winfrey, fine. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's totally fine. Um, You know, there's an intellectual conversation about, well, is this, you know, real Buddhism, quote-unquote. And it's like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And it's an important question. It's an important Mm -hmm. question for anybody, regardless of whether you are coming to Buddhism new or you grew up in the tradition,
0: why do it? Mm -hmm. What's your motivation? Mm -hmm. And your motivation will change over time, too. Because if I think about myself, when I started becoming interested in Buddhism, I was interested in it because it was really interesting. (laughs) And I didn't know what was there. I didn't, you know, and so I just wanted to learn more and more and more and more. Uh, And I remember... um, I remember working at Starbucks and um, realizing, you know, having previously been, I think I've talked about it before, but having previously been very shy and introverted, and then through working at Starbucks and studying Buddhism, one day I, real, I was just standing behind the counter, and I realized, I really like people. <laughs> Which, in hindsight, was like astounding that I, that thought popped into my head, because before that, I was really afraid of people. Um, And so I was transformed, like something changed, where um, I think for me, working at Starbucks was a big part of my early Buddhist practice, because it was me having to deal with people. Mm. And you're being paid, so you kind of have to do it. Right. If you're not working and you you can just stay in your room, then you don't have to deal with anybody. And then you can go online and be a troll and, you know, just like criticize everyone and look for fault and everything. But when you're in the trenches serving coffee to, you know, cranky people, you have to deal. You can't and you can't criticize the person to their face. You know, you have to play a game. Right. You have to fulfill a role. Uh, You have a uniform. Right, there's rules to follow. Um, you can't just give people money from the register, right? It's like this. It was really interesting, so it was great for me. I think I grew up in a lot of ways at Starbucks, behind the counter. It was actually a coffee connection at the time, but Starbucks had already bought it, but that's a different story. Um, but uh,
1: so, what you're saying is that Starbucks is more important than than Buddhism?
0: Yeah, <laughs> or a coffee at the very least. <laughs> But, but my, vo- my motivation changed. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right? My motivation, whereas before I was like, this is really interesting. I want to learn more, turned more into, wow, how can I be a better person? Mm-hmm. I think for me, that was a big part of it, um, right? Was that um, I was still studying Buddhism, but I was also, you know, trying not to get angry at people when I was working or whatever. And, uh, and you know, and then my motivation also became, I want to be a minister, Right, I want to go to school to study this stuff, and yeah. I also want to do it as a Buddhist, right? Not as an a intellectual, form. right? <laughs> Although I wasn't too aware of that stuff at the time, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, so my motivation has changed many times, and sure. it still continues to change. Uh, Which I think that's important. But go on. Well, I just wanted to say that um, the the self reflection. That we do in Shinshu can be very critical.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? But we gotta be careful about that too. Right? If you if you say to yourself, wow, th- you know, the Dharma Realm podcast asked me to check my motivation, and I realized my motivation is totally impure or you know, totally self centered, it's okay. Right? Buddha- I don't think Buddhism, Buddhist self reflection is to be critical and judgmental. Yeah. I think it's to be more aware. Right? And it's just a bit awareness of another aspect of myself, awareness of another aspect of my actions, my thoughts, right? And to just check in now and again and think about, you know, what is my motivation? Is what I'm doing um, in accord with that? Is it, you know, or is it, am I too self-centered and, you know, I'm I'm actually doing this totally for myself and not for others? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so I think that... Uh, we, we, are, we are definitely not judging people yeah 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 i don't it's it's not an issue of the criticism isn't an issue of judgment yeah. um, it's more critical of trying not to just tell myself what I want to hear mm-hmm. see what I want to see the willingness to to be critical of myself but that also happens in the context of Aminababdha who accepts me as I am uh, and so that i mean that's where what um, dr. Payne was saying you know of this whole thing of Shinshu may not work as self-help um, a lot of Shinshu is kind of seeing that yeah I'm totally helpless <laughs> to help myself uh-huh. yeah, right? yeah. it's yeah. like changing oneself is really really hard right. and I think that's where maybe some self-help stuff can be good because it helps us uh, um, to a certain extent see ourselves and change ourselves try to change ourselves uh, but I think part of Shinshu is recognizing how difficult that is if not nearly impossible mm-hmm. and yet Change does happen. We're transformed from uh, from without. right? That we're transformed through our relationships. Uh, we're transformed by Amida Buddha. Uh, and so uh, my being at Starbucks and coming to that of I really like people, that wasn't me rewriting my own programming or manipulating my circuits to get to that point. It was me being interested in Buddhism and engaging in the world and... Being transformed by it, right? and it was not just nice people that made me realize I like people. It was all the people—the annoying ones, the the weird ones, the the um, really um, uh, uh, scary ones, the nice ones, the great ones, the teachers, uh, the co-workers, the customers—all of that was part of that transformation of myself, of going from being very introverted and shy and frightened to much more able to engage to the point when I was like, wow, people are cool. I like engaging with people. I like being uh, in a profession where you engage, we talk to people and engage with them.
1: Dang, dude, that's profound.
0: (laughs) Yeah, It all happened at Starbucks.
1: (laughs) well that's I mean that's really interesting though too to think about the other power aspect and Mm -hmm. transformation happening from without and I don't know it seems uh, it seems uh, helpful to me Um, the the zen envy I think is a a real concern right I think Mm -hmm. that people um, people in the BCA really worry about that they really worry about you know declining membership or getting the word out or you mentioned last time Reverend Mezu getting shinshu in all 50 states and um how do we do that right like how do we do that and i think addressing this question of well what's what's the purpose why are we doing this in the first place is not a bad place to start and recognizing oh, okay there are so a couple of things there are definitely you know people who are engaged in buddhist practice for you know other reasons for you know uh, other motivations and that's you know, not a judgmental thing it's just a, a fact that people engage in Buddhist practice for different reasons um, and recognize that that diversity of motivations is a good thing and that we should focus on what it is that we do good mm. and not worry about it mm. like not worry about what who's popular right or not worry about comparing us to other institutions and say well you know this is what we do This is what we're good at. Mm -hmm. And also recognizing, as you were saying, that our motivations change over time. You know, I mean, I've certainly talked to people who, you know, engaged in one Buddhist practice for years, and then at some point we're like, well, this isn't working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to do something else, or I want to learn something else, or I want to go somewhere else and explore some different kind of practice, because people do change over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or in the BCA too, right, people always say, oh, well, you know, once dharma school kids grow up and graduate high school they go to college and we never see them again it's like well no they'll come back Mm -hmm. unfortunately they'll come back when they have kids you know and that's part of what's the reality in a lot of buddhist uh, bca temples now Um, and maybe that's something we can be you know self-critical of and self-aware of and and work on and fixing and and whatever Um, but also just sort of recognize the the sort of the the long term right The, the long view of history it's like Yeah, you know, maybe we're not going to, you know, maybe most BCA people are always going to be in their older years because that's the need that we serve. It's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, or to recognize that there's different conversations happening. Not all Buddhisms are the same. Not all Buddhists are the same. Not all people are going to come to us for the same reasons. I'm sort of rambling. I don't know where employment
0: is. Well, I mean... I th- we can change too. I think we can be critical of ourselves too as an institution, and um, and we've there has been massive change where we have m- I think a lot more young people engaged after high school mm-hmm. and staying engaged through college and even staying engaged after they graduate from from college, right? And um, and to me that's exactly when Jodo Shinshu should be touching people. Those are the formative years, mm-hmm. not. Elementary school, well, elementary school formative in a way, Yeah, yeah. but I think early adulthood is that it was so formative for me. Sure, sure. Encountering it in college and then, you know, this Starbucks story is like when I was 24, 25. Um, you know, it's like that's when you're really asking big questions about life, um, about yourself, and that's when we should be available to people, I think, to, to young people. Not, you know, when we, when we, when people get out of the loop, then to me, I think that's like the tragedy of BCA, um, and that's why I'm happy with what's going on now. And that there's we have a lot more um, young adult kind of oriented things, mm-hmm. um, activities, and um, trying to engage people with people. Then, you know, um, and so you know, the people that come from from outside, as I did, um, is interesting because they're kind of searching for something, and they seem to have found what might be an answer I think in Shinshu and I think that's happening more and more and more Um, internet has helped with that a lot I think by making it more uh, available Um, but uh, I think that's where Shinshu comes alive and we're going to see Shinshu grow and change and uh, begin to address different issues the more and more people um, find that it's actually this living powerful nurturing tradition uh, that uh, is really available ideally to anyone and sometimes the institution gets in the way of that, right? That's the, the downside of institution, I think. Uh, but the, the plus side of institution is it keeps it out there, <laughs> you know, so that new people can encounter it, and then the people that encounter it change it. So um, I think BCA's motivations will uh, continue to change uh, as time goes on.